You know, God uses our lives to bring change to the world around us. Now, that's true. Think about it as we consider this. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, 66 books, amazing. And as we study today from Ezekiel 24, we're gonna learn some very interesting things, what we do. And as we take that on in just a minute, Corey is here with Ryan, Corey. I'm going to be taking a look at the fall of Jerusalem today. Ryan? Today I'm profiling the prophet and priest, Ezekiel. All right, prophet and priest. I think that's interesting because the he ends up not having a temple. So that's fascinating. Okay, Janice? Today my segment is a new ministry. All right, so take your Bible. This is God's best-selling word to us today, and it's very important. Take your Bible guide that leads you through it, and let's study and learn what God has said to us now. Ezekiel 24, 15 through 27. Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke. Yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban on your head and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips, and do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died. And the next morning I did as I was commanded. And the people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things signify to us that you behave so? Then I answered them, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, your arrogant boast, the desire of your eyes, the delight of your soul, and your sons and daughters whom you left behind shall fall by the sword. And you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips, nor eat man's bread of sorrow. Your turbans shall be on your heads, and your sandals on your feet. You shall neither mourn nor weep, but you shall pine away in your iniquities and mourn with one another. Thus Ezekiel is a sign to you. According to all that he has done, you shall do. And when this comes, you shall know that I am the Lord God. And you, son of man, will it not be in the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy and their glory, the desire of their eyes, and that on which they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, that on that day one who escapes will come to you, let you hear it with your ears. On that day your mouth will be opened to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus you will be assigned to them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 24, verses 15 through 27.
We continue to read through the Bible, and as we do, we come across Ezekiel chapter 23 and 24. This is amazing. Now, in our lifetime, we do many things. We affect changes around our lives. And the world around us changes because of the decisions we make and expressed in our needs and wants, those decisions. But when we come to know Jesus Christ, the Lord, we are born again. And that brings a change to the way we live. And because of that, how we change, we affect how the world changes. When we are truly rescued by the Lord from our sins and receive his gift of eternal life, a, a transformation begins in our heart. As we follow the Lord, we begin our change and our actions and our reactions change. Now, the effect will be that will have effect on this world and it'll be no longer dictated by our needs and our wants, but it will be challenged and dictated by the word of God. Praise God. As followers of Christ, we want to move with respect to God's commands as dictated by his word, not our own ideas and desires first. God is moving to change the world around us, through us. God also told the Jewish nation that he wanted them to change, but that never happened, and we live with the results. But the Lord Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and died on the cross and rose again and answered all the questions that we need the cost of sin specifically. And that changes the way we react to him and the way we react to each other around the world. Now, take your Bible guide as what we do is what we study today and go to this page because this is something else. I tell you, this is one of my favorite times to teach in the 24th chapter, beginning with verse 17. We've never taught on this before and it's very exciting. So if you want to get your Bible guide, you don't have one, you can call us or write to us. Or you can actually go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, make a donation there in any amount, whatever God tells you. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download it just like it's printed from the PDF file. But remember that uh, God helps those who are important to his ministry by reflecting that they give to the things that God supports. And so praise God for that. He will protect you. All right. As we begin to study this, let's pray. Father, help us today as we focus on this. Because, Lord, this is important. This passage is very important. And I'm I, looking forward so much to teaching from it. This passage is very important. Help us to read from it and not to it. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, make it so. Amen. All right. We're going to read from chapter 24, verse 15. Here's what it says in the Bible. By the way, chapter 23, uh, Ezekiel talks about Aholia and Aholabah, the two Judah and northern Israel. It's very interesting. And chapter 24 begins with the siege of Israel. And now we're talking about Ezekiel's wife. Watch this. Also, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man or son of dust. Behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke. Yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. 
sigh in silence, make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban on your head and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips and do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning and that evening my wife died. And the next morning I did as was commanded. My goodness. Boy, Ezekiel had a hard job, I'll tell you. God uses our lives to bring change to the world around us. We are not on our own. We love God and we follow Jesus Christ. Beloved, the Lord used things in the prophet's life and his wife perished. He took his wife away to make a point. Now, his wife was given back to him in heaven, of course. He's with his wife again. But this is how God speaks to us. Those of us who are teaching, those of us who are pastors, those of us who lead, our lives are oftentimes used by God to demonstrate what he's trying to say. And we need to pray. And Father, I pray that, that we would have strength to continue with you, Lord. Help us today, Lord. And this is something important. We need to hear this. Because the next passage begins like this in verse 19. And the people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things signify to us, that you behave so? Then I answered them, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary. Your arrogant boast, the desire of your eyes, the delight of your soul, and your sons and daughters whom you left behind shall fall by the sword. And you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips nor eat man's bread of sorrow. Your turban shall be on your heads and your sandals on your feet. You shall neither mourn nor weep but you shall pine away at your iniquities and mourn with one another. This is incredible. God is always right. We must accept the discipline of the Lord correctly in our lives. Beloved, we need to understand that good and bad God gives us so that we can change our lives to honor him and respect him. If we're not paying attention to what God is saying to us. And we're running off down that corner, running off down this corner. Everybody's running off somewhere. God has to use things to get our attention. May we hear from the Lord today, beloved. May we hear from God, to not, not from our paycheck and, and not from our successes. And we hear from the Lord and the Lord speaks to our hearts. And may we hear what he says today. Very important. This is a really good time to be thinking about this. Let me show you something else. Ezekiel 24, 24. Thus, Ezekiel is assigned to you according to all that he has done, you shall do. And when this comes, you shall know that I am the Lord God. And you, son of man, will it not be in the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy and their glory and their desire of their eyes, that they on which they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, that they on what, that, that on that day, one who escapes will come to you and let you hear with your own ears. 
On that day, your mouth will be open to him who has escaped and you shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus, you will be a sign to them and they shall know that I am the Lord. Last point. God takes Jerusalem away and the temple away. The Lord always speaks before things happen. God always speaks before things happen. God has spoken about the things happening today in his scripture. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Now, the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 24 is dated to a very specific date, the day that the king of Babylon besieged the city of Jerusalem. And we know from history and also from continuing, you know, reading and studying through the Bible that the ultimate outcome of the besiegement of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was that Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jerusalem temple was destroyed as well. Let's take a look at that historical event, the, the fall of Jerusalem in around 586 BC. Take a look. In 586 BC, the Babylonian military led by King Nebuchadnezzar succeeded in breaking a two-year-long siege and destroyed much of the city of Jerusalem, her walls, palaces, and most devastatingly, the Temple of Solomon. Nebuchadnezzar was continuing his mission to secure and grow the resurrected Babylonian Empire. Years earlier, he had already made Judah a part of this empire, requiring yearly tribute. When Jerusalem's King Jehoiakim rebelled, Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city, won, and instead of destroying it, took in pledge into exile the new King Jehoiachin, much of the royal family, courts, nobility, priesthood, and military. Nebuchadnezzar then appointed a new king of Jerusalem, Zedekiah. When King Zedekiah rebelled once again, Nebuchadnezzar mustn't have been feeling very charitable. The Bible mentions that this siege lasted two years. This military maneuver sees the invading army set up camp all around the target city, cutting off supply lines and killing or taking prisoner anyone who would try to come or go. A few generations before this siege, King Hezekiah had brought a fresh water supply into Jerusalem by way of an underground aqueduct. But the siege had cut off all outside food sources for Jerusalem citizens. So it was a waiting game. Eventually, everyone in the city would begin to starve. And after two years, this was absolutely the case. The Babylonians even built a siege wall around the city as an added hurdle to anyone trying to escape, which Zedekiah eventually tried to do as the city's walls was being breached by the Babylonians. The Bible and archaeology agree that at least a portion of the city was burned. 2 Kings 25 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar burned the Lord's temple, the king's palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He burned down all the great houses. In excavations carried out in the Ophel region of Jerusalem, burned houses dating from this time period were uncovered. In 1975 excavations, four arrowheads were found in a layer of ash at the base of one of Jerusalem's defensive towers, a chilling reminder of the struggle and fiery destruction of the city. 
a very brutal historical event. There's no other way to put that. This was a, a terrible thing. It was a judgment of God. It was you warned over and over and over and over again for decades leading up, to the, even more than decades leading up to uh, the destruction of Jerusalem by the prophets of God. Uh, but unfortunately, it, it was one of those events that had to happen as a demonstration of God's justice. And this really is something that a lot of people have uh, predicted will happen again. But at the same time, uh, it seems to me that that's been completed, that God will do something new in Jerusalem. What do you think? Well, I mean, it already was repeated in AD 70 by, by the Romans. Jerusalem was destroyed again. So um, I don't know. I, I We know that I think that we have to loosely hold our views of what Christ's second coming looks like uh, because there are so many different views. We all know that he's coming back. All Christians, you know, will say, yes, the kingdom of God is coming. It's coming back. Christ is coming back. But what exactly will that look like? What are the details exactly? I have thoughts, but I'm not willing to kind of put them out there in, in, in the world as definite fact because I don't think we can do that. Okay, very good. Self-discipline. <laughs> For that sake, very good. Okay, Ryan, go ahead. All right, well, today to go along with our reading of Ezekiel 23 and 24, I thought it would be helpful to profile the life of this great priest and prophet of God. Now, as it would be expected, Ezekiel certainly has a very unique and interesting story. So let's take a look. When Nebuchadnezzar carried off the first group of Jewish captives to Babylon in 597 BC, 25-year-old Ezekiel was serving in the temple as a priest. Though he was taken a thousand miles away from his home and unable to continue his priesthood, it was five years later that Ezekiel received his first vision from God. In this vision, God fed Ezekiel a honey-sweet scroll, a symbol that Ezekiel's words would come from God. He was to prophesy to the Jewish captives in Babylon. Ezekiel was a contemporary of the prophets Daniel and Jeremiah. In fact, Ezekiel and Daniel were both captives in Babylon together and Daniel is referenced three times in Ezekiel's book. Although it is very possible that Ezekiel modeled his ministry style after his older contemporary Jeremiah, Ezekiel is also quite different. Referred to by God as son of man more than 90 times in the book of Ezekiel, the priest turned prophet is well known for his dramatic visions and street theater, in which he would act out the prophecies. Though bizarre, these dramatic performances were an effective way to ensure that the people would never forget, and it worked. In one of these performances, he slept on his left side for 390 days, and on his right side for 40 days. The point was that each day represented a year of sin, the left side for the northern Jewish nation of Israel, and the right side for the southern Jewish nation of Judah. On another occasion, he shaved his head and divided it into three piles. One pile he burned, which symbolized the Jews still in Jerusalem, who would die from the Babylonian attack. Another pile he cut with a sword, representing the Jews who would fall by the sword outside Jerusalem's walls. And the third pile he scattered to the wind, symbolizing the Jewish exiles. Even in Ezekiel's own personal tragedy of the death of his wife, God did not allow him to mourn, perhaps illustrating that the Jews would not be given the time to mourn their dead due to the invasion by the Babylonians. Though Ezekiel's initial message was prophesying the doom of the Jewish nation, once the destruction was over and the Jews were in Babylon, his message changed to one of hope. Indeed, in perhaps the most memorable vision of all, God brings the prophet to a valley littered with human skeletons. Son of man, God asks Ezekiel, can these bones become living people again? 
Then as one author so eloquently describes, within moments, bone clock rattling echoed through the valley as skeleton pieces snapped together. Soft tissue latched the bones in place and organs filled the skeletal cavities. Then flesh erupted and spread over each lifeless corpse. Decay reversed. Wind rushed into the valley of the shadow of death, restoring breath and life. The massive crowd stirred and stood. It was a promise that although the Jewish nation was dead, God would restore them at the appointed time. You know, I like the observation one scholar makes regarding Ezekiel. He notes that if Ezekiel was 30 years old at the time of the inaugural vision, an intriguing connection can be made with the final vision of his book, which is dated to the 25th year of the exile, when Ezekiel would have been 50. As Numbers chapter 4 makes clear, the ages of 30 and 50 mark the span of the active service of the priests. Now, as a member of the exilic community, Ezekiel would not have been able to participate in the ritual life of the Jerusalem temple, nor would he have undergone initiation into priestly service while living outside the land. But perhaps the timing of these visions coincided with what would have been Ezekiel's working life as a priest had he lived in Jerusalem prior to the exile. Now, it's important to remember that God is never done with you. Maybe you feel like the door is closed shut on you, but take it from Ezekiel. Even though one door shuts, another one is just opening. So let's seek God's face and ask him what it is he wants us to do for him. After all, it's all about building his kingdom, not ours. You know, Ryan, that's so important. It is about building his kingdom. And uh, I find that fascinating. Uh, we'll talk about that when we have more time on another program. Okay, Janice. My head is swimming. I'm trying to figure out how to best articulate this. So I guess I'm just going to jump in both feet. I titled this A New Ministry. And we're taking a look at Ezekiel chapter 24. And the death of Ezekiel's wife here is used as a sign to the people about the fall of Jerusalem. Now, it has left Ezekiel mute. And there is a prophecy in here that says that the one who escapes arriving from Jerusalem will mark the end of Ezekiel's silence. And we see that, let's see here, and the prophecy is verse 26 and 27 of Ezekiel 24. Um, I'm going to back it up to 25. And you, son of man, will it not be in the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy and their glory, the desire of their eyes that that on which they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, that on that day, one who escapes will come to you to let you hear it with your own ears. On that day, your mouth will be opened to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus, you will be assigned to them and they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, guess what? This prophecy happens in Ezekiel chapter 33. I'm going to jump over there. And it's verse 21 and 22, the fall of Jerusalem. Here it comes. And it came to pass in the 12th year of our captivity, in the 10th month, on the fifth day of the month, that one who had escaped from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has been captured. Now the hand of the Lord had been upon me the evening before the man came who had escaped, and he had opened my mouth. So when he came to me in the morning, my mouth was opened, and I was no longer mute. Now, Ezekiel's ability to speak again will signal that his six-year ministry 
Imagine this, that his six-year ministry of announcing God's judgment is over and a new ministry of consolation will begin. This radically changed Ezekiel's call. He would no longer be announcing God's judgment, but a new ministry of consolation will begin. And I got thinking about the transformation that comes to each one of us who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked for the forgiveness of our sins, giving our lives over to him. He becomes our consolation. We must live and share our testimony. Our lives become changed because of the work of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit living in us. By getting the word of God into our minds and more importantly, into our hearts, and then to live that testimony, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us becomes a new ministry of who we are. God has designed us for a purpose. You are not a mistake. You are a design of God made in his image. Let's not take the image of other gods in this world, other things that just don't matter. It comes down to God, the creator God, and who wants If you can imagine, wants a relationship with you, wants a relationship with me, and we can have that through his son, Jesus Christ, because of the death on the cross and his resurrection three days later, we have the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life through that. So it's important for us to live our lives to follow the Lord as a witness and a testimony of his great love and grace to us. We become a new ministry We become born again. We become changed when we give our lives over to Jesus Christ and not just give our lives over to him, but make that commitment to him to follow him with our lives every day. Will we make mistakes? Yes, we will. But that's why it's important to always come to him in repentance, to turn away from sin. That needs to be our desire, to follow him, to turn away from the things that draw us away from him. And we can do that only through the help of God's Holy Spirit in us. Do that today. We want to pray for folks having a difficult time in this particular environment in which we live economically and also with all the military stuff and everything going on. And we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help people to see and to hear that as they put you in priority and as they always support you and help you in your ministry, that you will protect them because you've never seen the righteous begging for bread or their seed begging for bread. But Lord, you answer their prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. 